0: Hey, murder lovers! My name is Mackenzie. This is Fatina, and you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back!
1: Welcome back! <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed the story last week with uh, the 9/11 story.
0: I sure did. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I'm like, I hated it. It was. <laughs> I the hope worst. you didn't.
1: All right, so as always, we're just gonna get it, we're gonna get started. We're just gonna go in here and start talking about the case. So, I don't think I've told you today what I'm covering. Mm -mm. So, hopefully, this is a surprise to you. I don't know if you know all the details, I didn't know all the details. So, this is the Kalamazoo, Michigan Uber driver killer. Oh, I've heard of this. Right, it's yeah. kind of recent. So this all happened in two thousand sixteen. So it's not too long ago that all this happened. Because it was the Uber
0: driver that was actually
1: yes committing
0: the crimes. Yes.
1: Yeah. So um, the Uber driver's name is Jason Brian Dalton, and by all accounts, this was your everyday Midwestern type of guy, wife, two kids. Nothing remarkable. All the documentaries, all the things that I've seen about him and read about him. It's, um, I think we we said this about uh, Luca Magnata, too, that he was, like, remarkably unremarkable. (laughs) Just, like, easily forgettable.
0: (laughs) As ordinary as they come.
1: Right. Like, super vanilla, like there's nothing out of the ordinary about this guy has never had a rap she has never been in trouble with the law doesn't have any financial problems so he has a wife and two kids one's a 15 year old boy one's a 10 year old boy he is a car enthusiast so on his free time he works on cars a lot and he had what some would think is a normal gun collection, so just a couple of guns, and recently in their world, he had a house out in the rural county and in, in Kalamazoo, and his farm had been broken into. So it is very common if, if that happens in your life, that you're gonna go out and get some guns, right? You know, Where's for your protection.
0: Again?
1: Michigan. Okay. Yeah. So. He had a couple guns, not a big deal. Average American owns a couple guns. It's not, you know, out of the ordinary. It's not illegal to own guns. All the guns that he had were legally obtained. So there was nothing standing out about this guy. He, daytime work, he was an insurance adjuster. I laugh because oh that's what gosh. I do, guys. <laughs> So as long as I don't pick up doing Uber on the side, we're good. I was gonna say, (laughs) is
0: there something you need to tell me?
1: He worked for competitors though. So um, he worked for State Farm for a number of years. He was an insurance adjuster there. That's your problem there. Um, But then he quit that job, and he when this happened, he was actively working for Progressive as an insurance adjuster. Again, he worked on cars a lot, so I think he was kind of the adjuster that went out and looked at your vehicle after a car accident. Um, Not just working with you on the phone. (laughs) Trying to separate myself from this guy. (laughs) You're not ordinary. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Don't categorize yourself as such. So, after the break-in happened at at his farmhouse, uh, obviously, that'll shake anybody up. So, he went and got some more guns. He got more and more into the idea of learning more about guns and getting more of those things that you get when you're a gun owner. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know exactly whether or not what was stolen specifically out of the house. The only thing that I can find was that it was a lot of tools. And again, if he was a car enthusiast, he probably would have had tools that were expensive. And just with like any hobby, you spend mm-hmm. a lot of time and money into your tools. So some tools were, uh, were stolen. His family wanted to go to Disneyland sometime soon, so he had recently picked up this extra job of working as an Uber driver. Okay, now For in, Disneyland? Yes, to okay. get extra money to go to Disneyland. So in Kalamazoo, Michigan, Uber in 2016 was fairly new. Mm. It's a small town, so not much Ubering was needed, I guess, or it wasn't a big thing before this, because Uber had been around, obviously, before 2016, but it wasn't as prevalent in this small town, but because it's a, there's a couple colleges in the area, and the downtown scene has a lot of bars and Mm. schools nearby, it was a hit, so Uber took off, right? Okay. So, this all started happening on the morning of February 20th, 2016. He Had gone out with a friend and gone to, I believe, two different gun shops. They were looking at different guns and the accessories that come with guns. So, he didn't actually buy a gun that day, but he did buy a holster. And he bought a jacket that's a concealed carry jacket. So, for those of you that are not gun owners, they make almost any article of clothing that can be a concealed carry. They make jackets. They make
0: pants. Oh, so it's like a jacket that you
1: wear, yeah, like a just a normal jacket, jacket, jacket or something. Okay. right? And I was no, thinking for, like a like a gun sleeve or oh, something. Oh no no no! I was like sorry, a jacket like, for like, your like gun. a sports <laughs> jacket. <laughs> so you know they also make handbags for women that have like a special bag underneath or on the side that you can carry your concealed weapon in, but it would still be easy enough to access in the case of an emergency type of thing. This so. is
0: where I would fall into the trap. Yeah, I'd be like.
1: <laughs> like bag first and then what gun can I put into yeah. it.
0: <laughs> How many accessories can I buy? Is really a the question. They'd so, be like, "Ma'am, you don't even own a gun." Right. And I'd be like, "But I still <laughs> would like the jacket, please."
1: And you can taser conceal bag. That would 100% <laughs> be me. So on that particular day, that's all that he bought. His friend who was also a gun enthusiast with him um, said that he for the most part that day was acting very normal and there was a lull in their interaction where Jason was being really kind of quiet and to the point where he asked him like hey man is anything up like are you okay and he said oh yeah no I'm just tired and they just left it at that right they're just mm-hmm. men sharing a Sunday after, a Sunday morning together so after that Jason went and walked his dog it was a black German shepherd dog named Mia That's important because I like dogs. So, (laughs) there's that. (laughs) Um, So, he walked his dog, and then after walking his dog, he put the dog into the back seat of his Chevy Equinox, which is a larger SUV, Mm -hmm. and he turned on his Uber app. So, if I don't, you know, depending on where you're listening from, I'm sure there's, you know, different companies, but... If you were an actual Uber Uber driver, you turn off your app literally whenever you want to work. Mm -hmm. So after walking his dog, he turned on his app and he decided to pick someone up. So the first rider that he picked up on that fateful day of February 20th was Matt Mellon. So Matt was a younger male who had left his car at a friend's house the night previous. He was being responsible. He took an Uber home the night before and he was taking an Uber from his house to pick up his car from his friend's house. So he got picked up by Jason and abnormally he saw that there was a dog, a big black German Shepherd in the back seat. So he got in the front seat. Usually you would get in the back seat but mm-hmm. there's a dog there. He's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. But I was like, oh, whatever, you know, it is what it is. I'll just sit in the front seat. The dog was friendly. Prior to picking up Matt, sorry, I forgot to mention this. There was a girl who we don't know her name, but she was the first fare that he had accepted. And she declined to ride because she thought it was so odd that the dog was in the back seat. Yeah. And
0: I if- could see this going one of two ways is either somebody would going... I'm not getting in your car because you have a German Shepherd in your car. Right. Or I could see somebody like,
1: oh, my God, you Cute have LG? a German Shepherd in your car. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Matt was the the guy who was like, all right, whatever. I'll just sit in the front seat. That's totally fine. So this was around 4 p.m. He said that the first half of the ride was completely normal. You know, it's kind of awkward because you're sitting there with a stranger and you don't know whether to chat or not. But mm-hmm. it was totally normal. Music was on. And as they were driving, Jason got a phone call and he had the phone call connected to his Bluetooth. So he picked up over Bluetooth and it was his son telling him, hey, dad, dinner's ready whenever you want to swing by and grab dinner with us. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much all that the conversation was. uh, Matt said that the conversation was no more than a minute or two. It was just him telling him, like, hey, dad, dinner's ready whenever you want to swing by. okay?" And. Matt says that as soon as he hung up that phone call, Jason floored it and started driving erratically. Like going 70 down a residential street, just peeling out of every street, turning on every which way, completely blowing stop signs and red lights And so Matt said, at one point, I contemplated just hitting the guy because he wasn't stopping. I was telling him, like, almost every house that we went by, like, hey, man, that's my friend's house. You can drop me off right here. Like, dude, what are you doing? And at one point, Jason struck a parked car. And Matt said, hey, dude, you just hit that car. Like, you need to stop. And apparently Jason very, like, even keeled was like, I didn't hit a car. What are you talking about? My driving's normal. I'm fine. So then... That's where you open the door, <laughs> tuck and roll, and throw your body and out. And that's exactly what Matt did. Oh, my gosh. He said when Jason came to a screeching halt in the middle of a street somewhere, the like, the first thing he did was open the door and, like, rolled wow. out of the car. Yep. And in because they're in a residential neighborhood, and again, it's a really small town, one of the neighbors that was in that neighborhood heard the squealing of the tires because if you're going 70 and you come to a complete sudden stop stop, it's gonna squeal um and she looked out her window and then she saw that there's this man throwing himself out of a car and all that she could discern at this point was that there was a man or a body coming out of the car she didn't know if he had been pushed if he had been shoved or if he had like voluntarily thrown himself out So she went over to him and was like, hey, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And he's like, the driver was just crazy. And we'll post the 911 call. But so Matt does the right thing. He calls 911. Because not only is Jason driving crazy... But he hit a car, he did a hit and run, he potentially put you know his life in danger, and if he's doing this down the street somewhere into a busy street, he could kill someone. Mm-hmm. So Matt calls 911, and the call is very concerning, because Matt is doing the right thing, he's calling into 911 to get some help and to report this, and he says, hey, I was just in this Uber, and the guy was driving super crazy, he hit a car, And the 911 operator, and I can't falter for this because it's not, at this point, it's not something that would have raised too many alarms. Mm -hmm. Because obviously someone calling and saying that you've witnessed a crazy driver could be subjective, Right. Some people could say, you know, going through a yellow light is a crazy driver or someone going a little bit faster is driving erratically. 35 and a 20. Yeah. Right. So because there's no discernible evidence of like what it is that he's doing that's illegal. The operator just says, well, what do you want to do? Do you want us to put like a be on the lookout for him? Or do you want a cop to come out to you and make a report? And I mean, he's a young guy and he's like, well, I, I don't I don't know. Like, just what do you want to do? Right. Be on the lookout, I guess. He's like, okay, thank you, sir. Bye. And just like, let's go of the call. So he's like, okay, well, that was weird, but I'm sure he thought he did all he could do. He finally made it to his friend's house. He got on his phone and on the Uber app. Again, this is early stages of Uber, at least for there and at least on the app. There is no voice to voice connection that you could make with Uber at that point. So Mm -hmm. all you could do is send in an email. So, he did send an email with his concerns about the the ride that he just had. Literally, probably the One ride of his life. Review. Right. And he realized that he had also had a screenshot or the first cover page that tells you the name of the driver and a picture of the driver who's picking you up, as well as the license plate, because those were the security measures put in place. Mm-hmm. So, you know that you're not getting in a car with a complete stranger. So, he sent in the email to Uber... And he didn't think much of it at that point. He was like, whoa, that was a crazy ride, right? And I just made it out alive. So at that point, Jason drives off like a bad man, right? And he goes home. He goes home. His wife isn't home. But he picks up his Glock. And he gets back back into the car, his Chevy Equinox, that now has a little bit of front damage. And he gets... Back on, he, he pulls a dentist and he drinks a glass of water um, and he gets back on his app. So he turns the app back on like, hey, I'm ready, ready to pick up more passengers. His Dennis Raider, by the way. BTK. Sorry. Yeah, BTK. <laughs> drinks a glass of water. <laughs> the real ones will yes, know. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> he turns his app back on. And so this is a little after like 5 p.m. He gets a fare from... A writer named Macy. So what he doesn't know and I'm just gonna chalk this up to like it like uber being new in the area and not everyone figuring this out at this point. Macy was at her home she was a young girl who had ordered an uber for her boyfriend for her boyfriend to get picked up and dropped off at her house. So Macy orders a ride for her boyfriend to get picked up. So she's not going to be the actual rider. But if you've ever ordered an Uber for someone else, it's still going to show up as you being the customer. And regardless of who's getting picked up, it's going to show you as you're the one that's employing the ride. So from that point, he takes off to the Meadows apartments, but she makes an unfortunate mistake where she doesn't enter her boyfriend's apartment address. She puts in the office building number for the pickup mm-hmm. of his apartments. So this is a very suburban, typical apartment complex where it's huge. Mm-hmm. And it has the apartments numbered, uh, or sorry, lettered because it's mm-hmm. so big. He calls her and he's pissed because he can't find the writer, he's still thinking that it's for Macy that he's picking up a female, a young female. So he's getting more and more agitated. And then Macy starts texting him back, like, hey, I'm sorry, this is the actual address. Like, you're right there though. You're in the apartment complex. You just like just drive a little bit more and you'll you'll get there. You're gonna right. find him. But he's pissed. So as he's driving along in the streets in the complex, there is a woman named Tiana. Carruthers and she has a young daughter and it's apparently the first day where snow's starting to melt it's a nice warm day out in Michigan so her daughter was out in the playground with some friends and four other little kids and their names were all five of them is Joy, Dorje, Kanaya, Adriana, and Selena. They had come back to Tiana tiana's kid was like hey i just met this new friend joy she said we can go back to her house and play tiana being a great mom was like i'll walk you over i want to meet her mom i'll -hmm. walk you girls over so she's walking down the sidewalks of the complex with her and the four and the five kids in front of her and she sees this equinox like coming towards her and he's speeding And the first thing she hears before she hears the car is a dog barking like crazy from the back seat. Mm -hmm. He pulls up to her and he very angrily asks, are you Macy? And she's like, no, I'm not Macy. Because he's looking for a female Mm still. So he's pissed, apparently. And then he floors it and peels off down the street. And they're still walking. She was like, well, that was weird. And... He flips it, comes back down the street, again, speeding, pulls up next to her. She sees the passenger window start to go down, and she starts seeing the gun coming up. Mm. She remembers this all in slow motion. Oh, my God. She shoves the kids and tell them, tells them to run the opposite way. Excuse me, tells She tells them to run the opposite way and just keeps yelling, run, run, run. As she runs the other way and he starts shooting, he shot her first on the left shoulder and then caught a a shot on her bottom left leg and then another one on her top right leg, shattered a femur, and then another shot that went up her buttocks and into her kidney. Oh my gosh. At this point, all she's worried about is the kids and she ends up laying down next to a car. She still hears shots whizzing by her, and all she could think of is if I lay here dead, he'll stop, he'll stop. There's still more shots, but then he finished and he sped off again. There's neighbors, of course, coming out, they're in a complex. And all she can think of to ask... It's is, always
0: funny to me how everybody comes towards, towards the Towards
1: it, I know. But I think that's our instinct to want to help. Yeah. Um, so they come out, and all she can think of to say is, like, are the kids okay? Where are the kids? Are the kids okay? And you can hear on the 911 calls, like, she... They're asking for ambulance to come out and help. And they're like, there's this woman that shot. We heard so many shots. And she's still asking if the kids are okay. She's like, I'm not even going to answer your questions about me until you tell me the kids are okay. So the ambulance comes and picks her up.
0: Are her kids okay?
1: The kids are all fine. Okay. None of them are even injured. Great. The kids are all okay. Oh my God. The ambulance takes her away. He peels off. At this point, when the cops get to her... To talk to her before she goes out of consciousness. Yeah, she still has the mind to tell them what kind of car it was. She was able to describe the driver and tell them about the car, the dog in the back seat.
0: That's a pretty like.
1: She is like yeah. spot on.
0: But that dog piece is kind of important,
1: right? These three things. The first writer Matt says mm-hmm. like salt and pepper guy, older white guy and the car and the dog, right? Tiana tells them same thing, salt and pepper, white guy, older guy, dog in the back, Chevy Equinox. So at this point, you know, the 911 calls come in. There's several other people in the complex that called in the 911 for for Tiana to get help. So then the operator that had gotten the initial call from Matt calls Matt back and says, hey, were you the one that called in about the Uber driver earlier? He's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, that was me. Like, did you guys, did you guys get him? And he, she's like, No, we're just trying to figure out if he was involved in another incident. And he says, Oh, well, you know, I actually, I pulled up my app and it gave me his name. His name is Jason. And here's his license plate. So, they at least have that much to go on at that point. Right. So, that was around 5-ish in the afternoon.
0: glad you said that because I was going to ask you earlier what time of day mm-hmm. this was. Because in my brain, Uber doesn't happen before midnight. <laughs> <like, laughs>
1: p.m. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, as he's peeling away from this apartment complex, he runs a red light. We know now later that there is a red light camera that captures the vehicle running a red light. And there's also an accident that happens at an intersection from him running another red light. And so there is another person calling in saying, hey, I just got hit and the person ran from the scene. Um, it's not terrible this damage. it's wild. Oh, crazy. So there is this other call about the, the hit and run and he describes the same thing, a Chevy Equinox. So now they've got, you know, all of this happening with a Chevy Equinox mm-hmm. and they have a first name. At that point, he calls his wife. At five. he calls his wife. And he tells her to meet him at his parents' house. His parents are not in town. They're snowbirds, and they live in Florida. So their house is empty. But he meets his wife there. She sees the damage on the car. And he gives her this terrible story. And tells her that he was downtown and that taxi drivers had it out for him and started shooting at him when they saw his Uber light. Oh, okay. Because they were mad at him and Uber in general, Uber drivers, for taking away their business. So sure. the wife's like, what? I mean, just like I'm doing right now, just like scratching myself. Like, what? What is going on? He goes upstairs to his parents' house. He grabs one of their guns, loads it, Puts it in her coat, and says, "You'll need this." It's Sunday. He tells her not to go to work on Monday, not to take the kids to school on Monday, and that whatever she sees on the eleven o'clock news, to know that it was him. No. Yeah. No. So, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but. There's no reason. She said that her husband, Jason, had never done anything like this, had never given any type of indication that he had a mental illness, that he had any type of depression, that he had any type of breaks or anything. So it was completely odd for her, but as far as she knew, not much had happened, because she had she had no indication she had no no knowledge about what had happened earlier nothing about the first guy that she that he just scared and nothing about Tiana and her just yeah, laying just there. It's just
0: so out of the blue. There's out no of the blue for no rhyme or reason. He's just None. like, all right, I think I'm gonna start killing people today. So, like, tries, did you get a splinter that you couldn't I, get out? Like anything? Stub I'll your try and to explain it later. Okay, so well, there's... Something comes up that maybe might be a reason, Mm,
1: kind of. Okay, Okay. so he tries to get into his parents' Hummer, but it doesn't turn over. Right, but it doesn't turn over. So he can't get it started. He can't use that. But he gets into his parents' Black HHR. What is that? It's a small, it's a a sedan. It almost looks like a Kia Soul type thing, but more roundish. Um, Who makes that? Chevy. Oh. Are you looking it up? Yeah. It's this one. It's almost like a mini hearse. Oh, I hate those cars. No, they're awful. Um, So he gets into this black HHR that's his parents. And from that point, he goes back home. Mm -hmm. To his house. Because remember, his wife is at his parents' house right Right. now. So he kind of beats her there. But he went home and he got a bulletproof vest on. Which was his 15-year-old son from being part of the Sheriff's Explorer program. Yeah. So I can't imagine that it, like, actually fit him. He's a a bigger guy. And you're not 15 anymore. (laughs) Right. So... (laughs) He later said that the gun that he just used at the apartments and hit Tiana with malfunctioned and it jammed on him and that before he finished off all the rounds in the gun, he had to unjam it and then still finish the magazine off. So because of that malfunction, he went home and he switched guns. So he went from a Glock to a Walther's 9mm. So he grabbed that gun, he put it on a bulletproof vest, he just left the first gun on his workbench, so no, like, hiding it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. there, there's no disposing of it or anything. He just literally left it on his workbench. And then he starts his Uber app up again. He, at this point, he starts picking up Uber passengers like normal in downtown Kalamazoo. Like, everything's fine. Like, everything's fine. Some people had heard about the Equinox thing. It started, you know, it didn't make too many rounds because it hadn't made the news yet or anything like that.
0: Nobody recognized the fact that the car that was registered so on Uber didn't match what th- he was, was driving? So, that was the
1: only thing that some of the passengers that he picked up in this time frame, so between the 6 p.m. shooting with... Um, the 5 p.m. shooting with Diana and him going home and coming back out to ride again was that the app says they were supposed to be getting picked up by a chef equinox and they were getting picked up by an hhr mm-hmm. and the couple riders they questioned him questioned him on that and all he said was oh I was having car trouble so I picked up a different car but he still showed them the app so they knew that it was still the driver
0: okay cuz
1: he matched the picture okay so I mean red flag, hello. Yeah. But um, so he just blamed it on car trouble and some of the riders that he had in this in this window of time said that everything was like absolutely normal, that there was some songs that came on the radio and he was singing along. Yeah, no, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Like there is no like and no one at this point thought that anything was gonna go wrong with their ride. Oh okay. Oh my gosh. He finishes off all those rides, and then there at 9.58, Tyler, who was 17, his dad, and Tyler's girlfriend, Alexis, there was, you know, almost every city has it, like a motor mile, like it's full of dealerships, etc. Tyler was, you know, getting ready to graduate high school, and he was excited to get a truck because he wanted to go, ride in the dunes, something that he could take out to the dunes with his dad. Him and his dad liked doing that. They had some dune buggies. So there was this, it was like the corner of the lot. They had this bright blue big old Chevy pickup that he wanted to go see. It was in the Kia dealership, but it was in the corner of the lot. And so, at 10 p.m., which is an odd time to go visit a dealership, but his dad had gone off of work, and that's when they could meet up, and plus, apparently, they just wanted to go see it and not, not like, be buy it. Not yeah.
0: a salesperson. Right. Got it.
1: So, the girlfriend said, well, I don't know anything about trucks. It was cold, so I stayed in the back seat of the, the Range Rover that they drove in there with, mm-hmm. and the... So, Tyler and his dad were outside. They parked right behind the truck that they were looking at and they were right outside. They were looking at the truck. They were talking. They had just gotten there. And then she didn't see this, but the HHR pulled up because it was behind her. And all she heard was, Hey, what are you guys looking at? That Jason asked. And she heard the boys say, Oh, at this blue truck. 17 shots were fired. Oh my god. I. Oh. Nine into Richard, seven into Tyler. Alexis, that was in the backseat of the Range Rover, ducked down into the floorboard of the backseat. Smart. She didn't have her phone on her, of all nights, to not have her phone on her. As she was laying there, she saw that Jason came up to the Range Rover and pulled the handles and tried looking into the car, but she was wearing, like, darker clothes, Mm -hmm. and he didn't see her and left her there. So she survived. Once she heard that there was no more footsteps, she heard the car drive away. She got out of the car. She had to go over to Tyler... And take his phone. Take his phone. Oh, my gosh. And call 911. And the 911 call, this girl for being That literally, 17. like, makes me sick
0: to my stomach. Yeah.
1: She was 17. She was in complete shock. And there was no emotion from her other than a little bit rushed. But that's pure shock. Yeah. Panic. Pure shock. Yeah. Um, unbeknownst to her... As this was happening, there was a witness that was driving by and she saw Jason shooting because she saw smoke from the gun and then she saw the two people laying down on the ground. She called 911. She kept driving a little bit, but she pulled into a Burger King parking lot. So she stayed there because she was like, yeah, absolutely, cops can come talk to me. I just witnessed this. Yeah. And she was able to tell them black HHR. Because Alexis couldn't because she was facing away from it. So she was able to tell them, white man, whitish black hair, black HHR. So the cops get there. And, of course, you know, not all information that goes to the dispatcher makes it to the cops. Other than, like, hey, there's a shooting. So Alexis, of course, they had to, like, pat her down, make sure that she wasn't the perpetrator. But, obviously, they figured out really quickly that she was a a victim. And... So from there, um, there's cops at that scene that just out of nowhere, right? It's not, you know, at, at a bar or a club or something like they're in a dealership. at at 10 p.m. Like, why would there be a shooting there? Super random. Mm -hmm. So there's scops starting to pull into there. And mind you, from the Tiana shooting, there's about four hours now. Yeah. So there's no connection being made between these two just yet because... It's two different cars. Yeah. At the beginning of the day, they got this huge SUV, a silver SUV, and now they have a black HHR, for goodness sake, like completely different cars. Yeah. Was the dog still with him at this point? No. Okay. He dropped off the dog with the car right. when okay. the wife okay. met him at the at the at the parents' house. So um they're, they're at that scene, and that was at 9.58, so like 10 p.m. At 1021, there's another call or calls, multiple calls that come in from a couple miles down the road at a cracker barrel parking lot. So at the Cracker Barrel parking lot, there is two cars that witnesses say were shot into. The first one we know now, the five occupants of the car, there was a minivan with Mary Lou Nye. And there was a sedan that had four people, Mary Jo Nye, Mary Lou's sister, Barbara Hawthorne. And these are all older women they're, um... They're at Cracker Barrel, so... (laughs) (laughs) No shade. No, I had another... I heard another podcast. I was like, well, yeah, duh, they're at the Cracker (laughs) Barrel. I'm
0: glad we thought the same thing.
1: But, um, Barbara Hawthorne was a older woman who had never had children. So, there was this young girl, 14-year-old Abby Kopf with them, who she had almost adopted as her granddaughter. So, Previously that night, they had gone to a Chinese acrobat show. But before going to that show, they had dropped off one car at the Cracker Barrel because apparently Mary Lou only drove as much as she needed to. (laughs) She didn't want to drive extra. So they consolidated into one car, went to the show so they would not have to park one car, et cetera, et cetera. So they had come back from the show and were dropping off Mary Lou at her car so she can go home and then the other four would go to their homes. Jason pulled up on the driver's side window of Mary Lou in the minivan and said, We know this now because he said it in his interrogation. He asked her if he had a dollar to spare to make America great again. When she said, No, I don't have a dollar to spend, he shot her point blank. This was in 2016.
0: Yes. So, I don't know if this was, but I, no, I'm just saying yeah, he, he I must not gotten a phrase from right, Trump's campaign because right. that was happening during that time. Right. Okay. 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 I'm not trying to say but he that was is the like only a Trump Right, or anything right. Like We that, don't but, know okay. if
1: there was any type of extremist behavior other than that. I yeah. mean, th- th- there is His no indication. His not have anything right. to do that's with That's just it. what he said at that yeah. point, and that's what he recounted. So this is not speculation from anyone. This is what he said yeah. he said. Okay. So. Just trying to figure out which came first. Right. The chicken or the egg. <laughs> he said that once he shot her... Huh. He had no intention of shooting one, anyone else in that parking lot. Mm-hmm. But as soon as he shot her, he heard screams of shock coming from this car next door to mm-hmm. that one. Because they literally you just saw off. their friend.
0: Drive, drive, ladies, drive.
1: And he just walked up to the car, apparently <sighs> very calmly, and shot all four people in the other car, including 14-year-old Abby Koff. That's so frustrating. Cops, Not that it's their fault,
0: but like drive. No,
1: the cops got there, or param- well, cops got there first. They determined Mary Lou, who was the first one, DOA, and two of the women in the sedan, DOA. Barbara was clinging on for dear life. And all she could say was because Abby was in her care, was. These are Abby's parents. Contact them. Those were her last words. So she still had, you know. Yeah. She was still um, there enough to, like, try to help herself out of the car when the cops got there. And they're like, no, don't move, don't move. Um, but the last things that she said were, here are Abby's parents. Contact them. Okay. Because she's a kid that's, you know... In her care. Right. She's 14. And these other women are, like, well into their 50s. So, like, Abby's the odd one out. But the cops thought that... Didn't even know about Abby. Abby had crouched down or somehow gotten down into the floorboard on the, on the passenger front seat. Okay. So... They didn't even see her, and you can see the dash cam footage of the cop. Like, oh, shit, there's, there's a kid here. Oh, my God, there's a kid here. So she survived. So she is she is shot in the head. Oh, my God. Yeah. She gets shot in the head, and she's there. Like, obvious head wound, and all they can think of, like, let's stabilize her till the paramedics come here so they can, like, Do you their know, best. Yeah. straight away into, into the ER. And... So, at this point, Kalamazoo is, like, going crazy. Because now there's, like, the dealership shooting, this Cracker Barrel shooting. Right. And because it's a college town, like, parents are calling their kids, like, hey, oh my god, I'm seeing this on the news. Like, if you're have out an tonight. an active
0: shooter on the run. Exactly.
1: And it's so crazy because, at least for me, like, active shooter, when, when I hear that, I think, like, one place.
0: It's isolated, You know, yeah.
1: it's, like, usually, you know... Shooting fish in a barrel, like they, you know, that's gonna be their target audience yeah. type of thing. But to have someone be mobilizing and like terrorizing wherever and whenever and no rhyme yeah. or reason is even scarier. Well, yeah, because
0: it's like, do you flee? No, because it sounds like he's targeting people in cars, so it's a matter of getting home. But is it even that safe? Like right,
1: uh, right. So that the cracker barrel shooting happened at 2021, at least that's when like the calls started coming in. He starts Ubering again. Oh my god. Yeah. He starts Ubering again. And at this point, people that were getting into his car were joking with him. Like, "Haha, you're not the killer that's in the HHR, are you?" Oh no. He said, "Oh no, I'm just tired." He just played it off. <sighs> And apparently he did a couple of rides where he was just acting normal, except for he was in the wrong car.
0: He had told his wife that whatever you see on the news is me. So right. had his wife at any point decided to say, like, this is my husband?
1: I don't think so. We don't hear about the wife again at all.
0: What is it with these so spouses call it that him. just, like, sit there and right
1: play dumb? Abby got to the hospital, the 14-year-old. Um, she got, her parents got there in time mm-hmm. to see them pull the plug. Wait. The mom, the mom put her head on her shoulder as she was saying goodbye because they had pulled the plug. She heard a heartbeat. Mm. She lives. And she called the nurses in. And she's like, the nurse just started attacking all the buttons on the wall, getting everyone back in the room. And as they were doing that, you know, plugging her back in, quite literally, the mom said, Abby, if, if you're still alive, if you can hear me, give me a sign. And Abby squeezed her hand. Oh. She then went into a coma, and she was in a coma for like eight days. The mom did not leave her bedside, and after a ridiculous amount of surgeries. Abby lived.
0: Yay. I had a survivor.
1: They had to cut out part of her skull and replace it. Yeah, she got MRSA bacteria at one point. They had to remove it again. So I mean, poor girl. She had to go through so much. But um at this point, it was about 12.36, so about a whole two hours have gone by from the cracker barrel, cracker barrel shooting. And the cops are like, okay, so what do we do? do we start looking for HHRs. So by the time that 12.36 rolled around, they... I can't
0: imagine there's a ton of those.
1: But, I mean, not a ton, a ton, but... So they decided to, you know, be on the lookout for them. By the time that they pulled them over, they had pulled over nine HHRs. Like dark colored or black HHRs. A lot. A lot. I would have thought that would be a pretty. Yeah. But can you imagine getting pulled over? You're like, what the hell's going on? Not many
0: people have that bad of taste in cars. I kid, but not really, not
1: really. so there was a cop that was patrolling downtown the bar area, and he saw an h h r black h h r but obviously with the in the back of his mind, like this person is armed is dangerous, it could potentially be him, so he called for backup, he trailed him for a little bit, and they pulled him over, and without incident, he surrendered himself. And in the dash cam, you can tell the cops, you can see the cops talking about it. They're like, he he has Kevlar on. Like, wh- why does he have that on? And when they're frisking him, they pull out a gun and the guy, you know, the cop announces that he's like, gun, puts it on top of the roof. And so he was armed. Mm-hmm. He was still wearing his bulletproof vest, even while he was picking up drivers, because he did a whole another two hours of picking up passengers. Yeah. And... So,
0: but if you don't know what that is, then no, it's right? Not even and, gonna... and well,
1: he had like a jacket on oh, top right. of it, okay. too. So, I, I mean, it was just a husky guy for all they knew. So, they take him in for interrogation. Obviously, it's late, etc. But they they start talking to him, and he thanks the cops for being so courteous and for like treating him like a, like a decent human being. And then, you know, the cops are. are playing this smart and they're not going to you know bring down the hammer and try to force anything out of them they're like let's talk what is going on and he is acting very normal like nothing has happened and he starts uh, when they're asking him questions he pleads the fifth a total of 22 times doesn't ask for a lawyer Mm -hmm. he just pleads the fifth and the cops keep talking to him, and, you know, they... they eventually, you're going to slip up yeah. kind of thing, right? So, they're trying to piece the whole day together. Because, as far as they knew, they have the HHR at the dealership, the Cracker Barrel, and that's all they have right now. But they had no idea about the Equinox things yet, and, like, put it all together about the Tiana shooting. So... He eventually says, Well, I mean, if I tell you you're not gonna believe me. And the cops were like, Try us. Like, what what is that? What are you what did you do all day? Like what is happening? And he's like, Well, the first guy, you know, he said I was driving crazy and that I was driving, you know, he said I hit a car. And I told him I didn't. And I told him that my driving was fine. Then I stopped and then he rolled out and I said, This is his words, you got to your destination, sir, and I drove off. That's what, that's what he's saying about Matt Mellon. So the first writer of the day. And then he continues talking about, you know, he's talking about it so nonchalantly and he's saying, well, you know, the, he's talking about Tiana, obviously he doesn't know her name at this point and the cops are like, well, you know, were you the one at the apartments? And he's like, well, yeah, yeah, that was me. And they're like, do you know how many people in total you shot? He's like, well, I know I killed her. She was for sure dead. She was just laying on the ground moaning. Because remember, she had laid down mm-hmm. almost to like underneath it. the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little did he know that Tiana got alive. help. Tiana got help. She had a lot of surgeries and she still has a bullet lodged in her kidney from all of this that they cannot remove because it's too dangerous to remove it. But she still has a, a, a bullet lodged in her kidney. Um, everything else they took out. She had to have extensive surgeries. I mean, your femur's no joke. Like, that's...
0: It's, that's a very painful... It's, it's
1: the strongest bone in your body. So, limping and all this woman survived. She's a freaking hero, if you ask mm-hmm. me. And the parents of the kids that she was walking with that day as well, Hilla is a hero because... She saved saved the kids. kids. She saved their kids. Um, But he didn't know this. He thought he had killed her. 100% thought he had killed her. Of all the people that he shot, so he shot eight people in total that day, six died. Mm -hmm. And we have the two survivors, Tiana and Abby. Mm -hmm. Um, The only one that he even gave the smallest inclination of remorse about was Abby. That's when his whole demeanor changed, when he was talking about who he shot, is when he was saying, I shot the little one.
0: So the 14-year-old girl bothered him, but not the 17-year-old boy that's almost the same age as his own Mm -hmm. son.
1: Yep. So he said, I shot the little one. And then, so it was things like this that were confession-like, because although he wasn't saying, you know, Minute by minute, what he had done, he right. was putting himself in these places. Right. Okay. One of the interrogations that the that the prosecutor that the uh, investigators had with him, he said, "Well, it was the Uber app. It took over my mind and body." Okay,
0: that's not the reason. Okay.
1: So he says that the Uber app, when he turned it on that day, it was red. And that what was on the front page was a picture of the Eastern Star. I had to Google this. (laughs) The Eastern Star um, goes by many other names, most commonly known a pentagram. Mm -hmm. So it's a five-point star with a circle around it. He thought it was a sign of the devil. He also said that an image of a cow-like animal with horns came on the app. Um, and he said that it took over his mind and body, that it would flash red and it would flash black and it would make these sounds. And that one beep meant yes, that two beeps meant no. And he attributed the beeps to why he didn't confront the officers from pulling him over. He said that as he was getting pulled over, he 100% was reaching for the gun, but the app beeped twice, which meant no to him at that point, which is why he didn't put up a fight. Lord. So. it
0: might be one of the dumbest reasons I've ever heard. Yeah. So. He's like, I was completely fine. My whole life was normal. No instance of trauma. But then one day I turned on an app and then I had a picture on it and I just had yep, to kill
1: people. That's. That literally makes zero sense. Literally what he said. That is what he's saying. He's blaming this on the app, that the app took over his mind and body, blah, blah, blah. But as he's saying this, he is saying it so normally, and he's not having any fluctuation in tone or anything. He's just like, nope, this is it. This is what happened. And I would go from red, which meant, like, killing, to black, which meant, like, keep driving and picking up passengers, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like... That's that's questionable.
0: That's so frustrating because I know the number one question a family wants to know is why, why, why? and obviously you hear that mm-hmm. and you go mental illness, but there's no history of no. mental illness. So no. like no, that's not. So what of course here. his defense
1: and the, and the judge had to put him through those tests to yeah. see if he was able to withstand trial and a hundred percent there was no mental mental illness. So, and I learned you know a little bit more about like a mental defense or an insanity plea or defense while you're in trial. So in order to prove that, you have to prove that you had a mental illness or were mentally incapable if it would have been something that would have shown up during the actual events. So not the before, not the after, but that you would have been going through an episode through the events. Mm-hmm. So they, all the tests and all the experts that saw him said, no. Yeah. There is no mental defense for any of this. Yeah. There was no psychotic break. There was no episode. There was no, you know, pharmaceuticals involved. There was literally nothing involved in what could culminate to a medical or, you know, a mental defense in this. There is none. Mm-hmm. There is none. So they, you know, they said that he was capable of withstanding trial. And while he was in jail, they recorded all his phone calls to his parents. And he kept telling them that no one was offering him a plea deal. That's what he wanted. He said he didn't want to go to trial and that he didn't want to make this a show. He said that the prosecutors wanted to make this like the OJ trial, like Mm -hmm. super televised and that he didn't want that. He just wanted to take a plea deal. They weren't going to give him a plea deal. They don't need to. Right. So, because, I mean, trial is is good to go. Like, there is no, it would have been hard to be a defense for that. Let's just say that. So, the day before trial began, he pled guilty. There was no plea deal, but he pled guilty. So, all that had to happen at that point was a sentencing hearing. So, that was still the hearing where all the victims, victims' families, had the opportunity to come and do their impact statements Mm -hmm. so they can, you know, help the judge determine what the sentence would be. Tiana, um, Abby, too young, still in the hospital, you know, going through therapies, et cetera, too young to go testify. Um, But family members and all that. So, Tiana was the only, like, actual survivor that was able to come and give her testimony. So, the sentencing hearing, it all, it all happened so quickly because there's not really, like, we have to prove that this guy did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this happened in February on May 20th. So, like, literally three months later, the sentencing hearing was already happening. So, Tiana came in with her crutch and everything, uh, very emotional, still raw emotions happening. And she's giving her testimony about how, you know, it's starting to impact her life and it's going to be long term, et cetera, et cetera. And she's talking about it. And this piece of shit has this outburst while he's on the defense table that is the most like cockamamie, just stupid ass (laughs) bullshit outburst because he's trying to still um, prove that he has a mental illness. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't. He starts blurting out just random crap. Like, oh, the people have to get the black bags because they have to go to temple. If you're old, you have to get to the temple. And the judge is like, be quiet, please. And Mm -hmm. he's like, no, you have to get to the temple. And the officers at the court, you know, start picking him up and like, we're going to get you out of here. Because unfortunately, what he was doing was terrorizing Tiana because she was on the stand and she was in the middle of speaking when he just has this outburst.
0: Intimidating a witness. Right. Yeah.
1: So they're pulling him out of his seat and he just completely goes like noodle legs and throws a tantrum and like they make he makes them drag him out of court. Like full grown ass man. Just goes limp and just like it's the stupidest thing I've seen in a while. Right. But it's this like last ditch effort of him trying to say like oh I have a mental no there is cases that of course there like a val- uh, you know mental defense is like completely valid, in this case. Uh, no one's gonna buy it, dude. No yeah. one's gonna. No one bought it. Like stop trying. No one bought it. Like no, thank you. It's
0: no. just so weird that like just like he just decided. He's like I'm just gonna shoot right. people for no reason.
1: Right. I know. It's so odd. Out of a completely nowhere. Didn't lose his job. His wife didn't tell him she
0: wanted a divorce. No. His kid didn't upset him. No. He didn't stub his toe waking up that morning. Nope. I mean, I get it if he stubbed his toe. Maybe. That
1: hurts. But no. It's just so weird. So he was sentenced to life in prison. Of course. Yeah. And
0: with or without parole, do we know?
1: No parole. Good. No parole. Good. Sorry. <laughs> Hope that went without saying, but yes, no parole for this. You're just guy. never knowing anymore. Sorry. That's true, though. Um, so, no parole. And that is the unexplainable case of the Kalamazoo Uber driver. I hate that story. <laughs> just yeah. so you
0: know. We start off the whole thing where I was like joking about hating yeah. my own story. Yeah. I hate that story because there's no reason for no. it. No. And that's so terrifying to think that someone could literally just drive up next to your car and shoot you for no reason. No
1: reason. No reason.
0: That's unfathomable. Isn't like that you crazy? said at the beginning. That's
1: I tried to say literally. At the Literally.
0: <laughs> I have no words. I almost hate that more than I hate unsolved stories. I hate unsolved stories. Like I need to know what happened. Yeah. I'm a person that needs conclusion. Um,
1: but, but this one, when you that, don't know the why.
0: That feels to me the same. Yeah. There there's is no, no conclusion. There's
1: no wrapping this up because yeah. in your head you're like, oh, you know. There's he was no pissed off for this reason or whatever and he was taking it out. I'm not saying it's the right reason, but there's no reason. Yeah. Right. But when it's into the public and there's no reason, it's And it goes even on for scarier. such a long
0: period of time. Yeah.
1: So, from when all of this started from around 4 p.m., because I'm going to call the Matt Mellon situation included, even though, like, he was wasn't Because that was the first hurt.
0: indicator that something was about right. to happen. Yeah. And
1: so, what I've seen over and over again, I, there's a couple podcasts out there for this, and there's a bunch of, you know, YouTube videos. If you have the chance, if you're that type of person like I am, there is, the entire trial online. It was very much televised. Uh, well, the sentencing trial was online. Um,
0: we will post a TikTok. <laughs>
1: it's, it's a long one. But it's... I will at
0: least post one of him having a meltdown. Yeah.
1: And, oh, yes, please. So, I mean, and just, like, we're questioning here, and I can't imagine the families of the victims, they're like, why? Yeah. Why? Like, dude, what the hell? Yeah. Right? There's no rhyme or reason. Um, one of the the husbands to one of the, the ladies at the Cracker Barrel, oh, it just breaks my heart. Because... Um, you know, his wife had gone out with her sister to go yeah. to the show. And he was A expecting her meeting. home. And he said that around 11, when she was supposed to be home, he went out to the porch. He turned the porch light on. He's like, I didn't come back in till the sheriff showed up to my door at 6 o'clock in the morning.
0: I hate that.
1: Mm. So for this guy it was his wife and his sister cause Mary Lou and I and Mary Jo and I so yeah and, and it's scary cause it's it, it's Uber's always been scary and like the cynical me is mm-hmm. like haha I would joke about this with an Uber driver but I'm like but really you don't know these people no you don't so first red flag if the wrong car shows up I'm sorry Wait. Your Doesn't friends can if wait. Doesn't matter
0: match the ID. I yeah. need to know more. Here. Yeah. Your yeah. friend.
1: Your friends can wait. The drinks can wait. You're being responsible. Thank you. But don't. If there's any, trust your gut. Yeah. Trust your gut. A hundred percent. Luckily, he didn't take it out on passengers per se.
0: Yeah.
1: But it could have been. I mean, nowadays we see Uber drivers that are getting accused of. Well, if he had
0: found Macy, he probably
1: would have. He was so pissed off. Yeah. He was so pissed off because he couldn't find this address or whatever. I mean, and there's other things to watch out for Uber drivers. And, And I'm, you know, Uber, don't get mad at me. I mean, all rideshare. But, you know, there's so many things that you need to be aware of and you need to be alert. So it just in, in, in general, be alert of your surroundings. If you have a gut feeling about something like the girl who didn't get in the car because of the, the dog not, in the car. Yeah. And there was another writer who didn't get in the car because luckily her dad had called her from out of town and said, hey, there's this crazy person in an HHR. So when he did pull up in an HHR and it said Equinox on the phone, she was like... "Uh." No, thank you.
0: That would literally, like, make me sick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... The definition of dodging a bullet. Yeah.
1: 100%. So, if you ever get a gut feeling, gut feeling is just... Go with your gut.
0: Go with your gut. Go with your your gut. gut. Always go with
1: your gut. Yeah. So, that's it. That's the story. Okay. I, I know I say that. I always say that in an episode. I'm like, that's, that's the story. story. But here's all this other information yeah. that we've got to include, so I'm going to add it to the end. Here's that's my commentary <laughs> on the story. <laughs> I love you guys for bearing with me. All right. Um, Tell me if you've ever had, like, any weird, creepy, give you bad feeling Uber drives. That
0: should be a listener story. Yeah. If you have a listener story about bad Lyft or Uber drivers. Yeah, just in general. Taxi drivers.
1: Yeah. Let me know. Anything like that. Send it to us. Yes. We might do it in ASMR. You can
0: email it to us, (laughs) astrangerdangerpodcast at gmail.com.
1: Yes, please. Plug. Send us an email if you have a story, and go check us out on TikTok, and check us out on patreon.com forward slash strangerdangerpodcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Okay, I have a what the Florida for you. Oh, fun. Yeah. I feel like we could use a pallet cleanser now. Yes, please. Florida man arrested for exposing himself to toll collectors. <laughs> In Orlando, Florida, a man has been arrested after exposing himself multiple times to toll booth collectors over a I week span. Cool. A Florida Highway Patrol arrest report says 41-year-old Mark Thillia was booked into the Oscala County Jail on Saturday. Troopers say that he exposed exposed himself seven times <sighs> on three different days around seven a.m. as he entered the cash lanes of the toll plaza. Ew. Toll workers told troopers that he had no clothes on and was quote showing his privates. According to the arrest report, he was identified through a photo comparison, and he's facing seven charges char- seven charges of exposure of sexual organs. <laughs> oh. This literally just happened like today.
1: Ew. The story, was he like.
0: The story sh- was posted like an hour ago.
1: Showing that as payment? or? Like, and they were like, Sir, just go. Just no, go. Sir. Just get out. No. <laughs> That's fact, not enough. We're na-
0: now we're going to double your, your toll rate.
1: <laughs> That's gross. Oh my God. That's weird. Why was he driving around naked?
0: I don't know.
1: It was just a hot day in Florida.
0: <laughs> it's always a hot day in Florida. Yes, Maybe true. his AC was broken. You don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you.